0: Religiosity can complicate our relationship with God, and it can feel more like a heavy burden or boxes to check than a deeply personal connection with our Creator. We are also surrounded with messages that tell us that our value is in our ability to get things done, while at the same time saying that we as women shouldn't stand out or draw attention to ourselves. My name is Emily Lewis, and you're listening to the Abundant Grace Podcast. For 26 years of my life, I felt like it was my responsibility to keep God happy by doing all the things. I was desperate to be good and to belong. So I exhausted myself by checking the boxes and squeezing myself into the expectations of what others and what I thought God wanted from me. But when I learned that God loves me unconditionally and with radical grace, that allowed me to let go of toxic relationships with the church and myself. Now as a beloved daughter of God, a wife, a mom, a kids ministry pastor, a speaker, and a worthiness coach, I am confidently living the life that God meant for me. I'm here to help you overcome beliefs that are no longer serving you so that you too can live a well-rested life, ask for what you want, confidently expect to receive what you're worth, and have deep, authentic relationships with God, yourself, and others. When you are grounded in God's grace and own who He says you already are, it opens up the door for the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. I'm Emily Lewis, and I'm so glad you're here, friend. Hey there, friend. Welcome to this episode on the Abundant Grace Podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you for hitting play. Thanks for hanging out with me. I'm excited to talk to you today about our belovedness. Why does it matter? Does it matter? Are we overemphasizing something to focus so much on this? Are there other things that we should be giving more attention to? We're going to talk about all those things in this episode. Sometimes belovedness is talked about as if it's kind of a fluffy thing. It's like too light and we need to get into the deeper things of God. And that's not what I've experienced in my life. And I want to share that with you and how important it is to know our belovedness. And when we know we are beloved, it changes how we show up and how we take up space, how we love others and how we love God, how we relate to him and ourselves as well. So it's absolutely not something that's too fluffy. It, I think is actually points to the heartbeat of who God is and what he desires for us because love in action applied is one of the most challenging things that we can ever navigate as human beings. It is not easy for us to look at the people who hurt us or who have been a negative in our story and love them to choose love. It's not natural for us to turn around and look at the people that we love the most, but we spend the most time with that we get irritated the easiest with to turn around and love them selflessly and kindly. Even when we are feeling irritated or depleted, really our faith in action is loving others. Well, like that is the deep things of the Christian faith is letting ourselves be loved by God, loving him in return and loving others from the abundance of that love and care for us. Now, noting theology matters, I think there's probably an episode or two titled theology matters, why your theology matters, why what you believe about God matters. Like you can go back and find that episode too, because what we believe about God and how he shows up in the world and how he reveals himself to us in scripture and in our everyday lives shapes everything. I believe lots of different theological frameworks and perspectives that tether my faith, that keep me grounded. But sometimes those interpretations of different beliefs or theories shift and change as we're growing and as we're learning more, especially as we're on um, a continuous faith journey and we're changing our minds because it's healthy to change our minds as we're growing. So just a note about like what you believe and why you believe it absolutely matters. So not dismissing that at all, actually saying your belovedness, what you believe about what God believes about you, our perception of how we think God looks at us is a theology in itself, is a belief about God, is something that is affecting our everyday lives. So why wouldn't we check in on that? What do we Believe about who God is to us? What do we believe about how God sees us? Because when we get ourselves grounded in love, love pours through us into the world around us. And again, that's where the rubber meets the road, where our faith is turned into action. What we believe is turned into action. And if we think God is kind of apathetic towards us or God loves us, but doesn't really like us, that will come out in how we treat other people as well as Imago Day, as human beings created in the image of God. How we think God looks at us will impact how we look at other people and how we treat them. If we think God is super judgmental and harsh and just looking at all the ways that you need to be different, no wonder so many Christians are critical of other people and how they show up and take up space. You can go back and listen to last week's episode about judgment and about projection and how we apply what we believe about ourselves. Um, onto other people as well. So it matters how we are perceiving God look at us because it changes and shapes how we look at others. If we believe that we are beloved of God, that there is nothing that we can do that would make God love us less and nothing we could do that would make God love us more then we can, because we're full of that kind of love, then we can turn around and love others really well, much better than if it's this transactional thing. And we always have this tally sheet going of, you know, do you deserve it today? Do I deserve it today? It becomes kind of yucky when we're getting stuck in that spot. So if we can reframe and see ourselves as beloved of God, then we can treat others as beloved of God. Not that we'll always get it right. Not that we'll always love them perfectly because we can't, but God does. And that's incredible. An incredible example, an incredible well of love to draw from when we can look at other people and say, you know, you're, you're still loved by God. And how can I, how can I move forward and treat you when I know God cares about you. Now, this is definitely not ignoring people in our lives who need boundaries. This is not saying we let other people walk all over us. This is not letting abusers take advantage of us. This is our everyday interactions with people that maybe we bump shoulders with, where we stand in line with at the coffee shop, who we go to bed with every night, like those people whom we want to be loving well, if we can have this mindset of they are beloved of God, I am beloved of God, we can let God's love guide us and we will be well on our way to putting our faith into action, putting our feet on the ground and walking out our faith. Our belovedness has to be the foundation of where we start with our relationship with God the hardest thing for us to believe isn't that we're awful sinners. Now, different theological camps will definitely disagree with that statement. But if we start from the place of, I'm awful. I am a sinner. My core identity is that I am worthless. We end up believing that and we operate like it. And we dismiss the power of God in our lives. And it's not just so much about how awful you are that God saved you and how amazing it is that God would save someone so wretched. It's more like, wow, I'm so loved and cared for and I get to be me. God loved me. And that inspires us to love him back and love others really well, rather than dwelling on Our sin and our propensity to sin and to be selfish and all the other things, be proud. And we can release those and not let them identify us if we start with our belovedness. When we focus on the wrong things, those are the things that we will be perpetuating more of what you celebrate is what you will repeat. So if you are constantly focusing on only the negative and you're not celebrating wins, or you're not recognizing who God says that you are, you are going to set yourself up to repeat those same patterns in an episode with James early at the beginning of the year. I think the episode came out in January or February He talks about this as having heavenly eyes, seeing ourselves the way that God sees us. And this is so foreign to us. And this is why I would advocate and argue that this is the hardest thing for us to understand. It's not that we are so awful. That's not really the hardest thing for us to understand. When we look at a child and how they hide in shame They are prone to hide when they lie or hide when they sneak something. Our propensity is to feel bad and to feel like we should beat ourselves up in the mental cycle inside of our head, even inside of someone who might look like they have it all together, that might look like they are arrogant The inner dialogue is so often down on themselves, and it is hard for us to fathom the unconditional nature of God's love and acceptance for us. That is why we need this reminder so much, and that is why we have to spend time focusing on who God actually says that you are. It will change and shape you when we focus on that. So I want to talk about some of the things that it shifts and changes for us. And the first one being fear, when we are doing things motivated by, is God going to be okay with me? Am I going to be okay? Are we good? We good with God? Does he accept me? Does he love me? Is he going to turn his back on me? Is the hammer going to fall? Those kind of feelings that we have around God can keep us doing the right things they absolutely can they can motivate us. You can go back and find an episode on that um, on fear and how love is a more powerful motivator so I'm just going to spend a couple minutes on it right now when we are spending our energy focusing on have I done enough today is God okay with me um that only gets us so far. It's staying stuck in that place of, I'm not quite enough. I am needing to do more in order to measure up. And that does not lend to our flourishing or the flourishing of those around us when we are hyper vigilant around, have I done enough today? Have I accomplished enough? Is God okay with me? when we operate instead from a place of, I am already loved, it lets us take the pressure off. It lets us take a deep breath and kind of a sigh of relief saying, okay, my belonging, my standing with God is not up for grabs. This isn't going to shift or change based on what I'm doing or not doing now. We can move forward from a grounded place instead of a scared, did I do the right thing place? Not that we aren't diligent to do what's right. Not that we aren't diligent to love others well and be the hands and feet of Jesus. But we know that nothing is going to be taken away based on our performance. And then we can rest in our belovedness. When we are operating in this fear-based place, Sometimes it does inspire healthy action. Sometimes it does inspire the good things that we should be doing. But it can also cause us to hide from God. When we feel like we can only bring to God the things that we have put together, we only want to talk about the things that we're doing well instead of literally just falling apart and being like, God, I don't have it all together. I know you knew that, but man, I've kind of been pretending that I had it all together and I was fine. And I haven't really been letting people know that I'm falling apart and I don't have it all together. We have to be so honest with God, but it's impossible to be honest with God when it doesn't feel safe to be honest with God. Does that make sense? Like we feel like we have to present a certain version of ourselves, like almost cleaning up before we go to the hospital. Like we kind of, we don't want to be too much of an inconvenience. We don't want to be too much. We don't want to be really known as deeply as he wants to know us and to be known, which all of that has to happen in the parts of us that we are afraid to show that deep knowing comes from letting God into the places where we're scared of letting him in. That's where healing and restoration comes in. When we let God into the emotions that maybe we haven't been wanting to feel or invite him into, when we invite him into our struggles and the things that we're navigating, that is where healing and life is born. And why reframing how we see ourselves or how we believe that God sees us is critical. This isn't fluffy. This isn't like, Oh, well, yeah, after you learn these deep theological things, like go ahead and learn this other thing as well. It is critical that we start from this place of belovedness so that we can heal and let God in. If we want to increase our ability to love others well, if we want to increase our own capacity to care for others, to start a business, to be part of a ministry, to heal from our own pain or trauma, one really powerful request from God that you can make to God, I mean, is ask him to increase your ability to be loved. See what happens pray it consistently, pray it daily. It's a little short prayer. It's in the song, Be Loved by Judah. So you can look that up. I love that song. It's a powerful reminder of what we need more. We oftentimes forget that we need to increase this capacity to be loved. If we want God to increase any other capacity in our life, it needs to flow from his love. If we want it to flourish, if we want it to be the best that it can be, we want it to come from a place of the source of love. And that is him. So in order to pour out more, in order to heal, in order to grow, in order to care for others, we have to ask God to increase our capacity to be loved. There is risk involved. There's always risk involved with love because once we hold something, there's the fear that we could lose it. And we have to confront those feelings with God in our relationship with him in that connection. We need to confront the fears that we have of maybe I'm not doing enough or if I tell God this, or if I let God in this, or if I stop having it all together and I actually tell people that I don't have it all together, what happens? We want to be healers. We want to be healed. We want to be perpetuating the power of God's love in the world. And that starts with knowing who God says that you are already chosen, not forsaken. That's who you are. You are so loved. You are greatly loved. And any resistance that come, that's coming up to that, jot it down, journal it out. That is where the work is. Figure out what your resistance to receiving God's love is. Figure out what that resistance to believing that your belovedness is the most important thing is figure that out there's some resistance to receiving there's a resistance to healing there's a resistance to letting God's love in those places because sometimes it's just easier to believe that we're awful and to beat down on ourselves and feel a little better from that self-whipping that we did rather than actually facing i don't feel like i have it together i can't do this on my own i don't feel equipped for this, like actually face those feelings and be real. And that is where healing and wholeness comes from. And I know that you want that. So maybe pray this prayer, God, increase my ability to be loved by you, increase it. Show me where I'm resistant to it. Allow me to be grounded in my belovedness as your child See what shifts and changes for you. I also have a worthiness meditation that is five minutes of God's truth being spoken over you as a child of God. Grab that at yourrelationshipwithgod.com/forward/slash/meditation. It is scriptural; it's biblical based of life being spoken over you because it is hard for us to remember. This is one of the hardest things for us to get through our head is how cared for and how loved that we are. It goes against so much of the rest of our culture that is performance-based, that is transactional, and God is just not like that. And it's so hard for us to understand. So grab that meditation, let the truth wash over you, listen to it um, as you get ready in the mornings or something like that that can anchor your day to the truth of who God says that you are and begin reframing and shifting that. If you want to take this deeper and reframe your belief about your relationship with God, your relationship with yourself and how God sees you. I'm so excited to let you know that I have connected the course for you. It is a beautiful resource that will allow you to apply this all and take action towards growing and deepening your foundation with God. For that, go to yourrelationshipwithgod.com forward slash connected and get the course. I can't wait to see you doing the work in the workbook and applying this practically and actionably to your life so that you can be more confident and bold and step into everything that God is calling you into grounded in first who he already sees you as. Thanks so much for listening to the Abundant Grace Podcast. If this episode was an encouragement to you, or you heard a nugget that you needed, I invite you to share it with a friend who else relates and would be blessed by today's episode. And it would help me out so much if you would leave a review for the Abundant Grace Podcast. It makes a world of difference getting this podcast into the ears of other people so that they can be empowered to own their worth too. As always, I would love to hear from you. You can find me hanging out on Instagram, emily.abundantgrace, or you can send me an email at hello at emilyklewis.com. I'm praying for you and cheering you on in your faith and healing. Have a great rest of your day, and remember there is nothing you can do to add or take away from your worth, and there is nothing you can do that will make God love you more and nothing you have done that makes God love you any less.